You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. Chinese threat actor hits U.S. organizations with a Microsoft cloud exploit. Open source tools allow threat actors to exploit a loophole in Microsoft's kernel driver authentication procedures. A rom-com update. Beamer fishbait email extortion attacks and digital blackmail. A new report concludes companies allowing personal employee devices on their network are opening themselves to attack. Tim Starks from the Washington Post looks at Microsoft's recent woes. Our guest is Ayal Benishti from Ironscales with insights on business email compromise and a July Patch Tuesday retrospective. I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire Intel briefing for Wednesday, July 12th, 2023. Cyber espionage from both China and Russia leads today's news. Late yesterday, Microsoft described activity by the Chinese government threat actor ITTRAX as Storm 0558. The group gained access to email accounts affecting approximately 25 organizations, including government agencies as well as related consumer accounts of individuals likely associated with these organizations, Microsoft explained. They say they noticed anomalous mail activity on June 16th. Investigations subsequently determined that this was part of a cyber espionage campaign that began on or around May 15th of this year. Microsoft said they did this by using forged authentication tokens to access user email using an acquired Microsoft account consumer signing key. Since discovering the activity... Microsoft has completed mitigating its effects for all the customers involved. According to the Wall Street Journal, the U.S. government is investigating the scope of the Chinese operation and assessing what damage it might have caused. Microsoft has also dealt with other Chinese exploitation of its products. Cisco Talos researchers discovered that threat actors took advantage of a policy loophole in Windows cross-signed kernel drivers— 
that allowed forgery of timestamps and loading of unverified malicious drivers to expired certificates. The advisory notes, We have observed over a dozen code-signing certificates with keys and passwords contained in a PFX file hosted on GitHub used in conjunction with these open-source tools. Based on the language code discovered in the metadata in the corrupted drivers, the researchers assess the threat actors to be Chinese nationals. The advisory explains that attackers can exploit the loophole to cross the user-kernel barrier, which is crucial for maintaining the integrity and security of the OS. Talos has alerted Microsoft, which has since disabled all forged certificates that could have passed through this loophole. Redmond has been looking at Russian cyberespionage as well. Microsoft yesterday published an alert on activity by Storm 0978, also tracked as Dev 0978 and commonly called Romcom, after the name given the back door it commonly employs. Microsoft states, We identified a phishing campaign conducted by the threat actor tracked as Storm 0978, targeting defense and government entities in Europe and North America. The campaign involved the abuse of CVE 2023-36884, which included a remote code execution vulnerability exploited before disclosure to Microsoft via Word documents, using lures related to the Ukrainian World Congress. As Bleeping Computer observes, CVE 2023-36884 hasn't been fully patched, but mitigations are available. Romcom represents a mixture of symbiotic motives. It's a ransomware and extortion operation in pursuit of direct profit, but it also conducts cyber espionage, specializing in credential theft. The group is based in Russia and acts in Russia's interests. We note in full disclosure that Microsoft is a CyberWire partner. Russian intelligence services prospecting diplomatic targets in Ukraine used an ad for a nicely loaded, deeply discounted, used BMW as fishbait to attract their prospects' eyes and clicks. Palo Alto Network's Unit 42 says the campaign, directed against 22 of the 80 embassies in Kiev, was run by APT-29, Cozy Bear, that is Russia's SVR foreign intelligence service. The fish hooks were LNK files masquerading as images. The campaign's goal was espionage, collection against the embassies and their contacts. The car itself was real, as was the innocent original version of the flyer. The black BMW 5 Series sedan belongs to a Polish diplomat assigned to Kiev, and he was indeed interested in selling it. Suspicions were aroused when he got calls inquiring about the price which at 7,500 euros was lower than the one he'd posted. Cozy Bear evidently reasoned that a lower price would attract more clicks. Reuters reports that the diplomat still has the car. He'll try to sell it when he gets back to Poland, stating, After this situation, I don't want to have any more problems. The fishbait represents a departure from that used in earlier campaigns. Those lured had tended to be more obviously diplomatic, invitations to embassy events, notes on humanitarian aid, and so on. Unit 42 concludes with a warning. As the above campaigns show, diplomats should appreciate that APTs continually modify their approaches, including through spearfishing, to enhance their effectiveness. 
They will seize every opportunity to entice victims into compromise. Ukraine and its allies need to remain extra vigilant to the threat of cyberespionage to ensure the security and confidentiality of their information. And if you're in the market for a 2011 Beamer, buyer beware. Barracuda released a threat spotlight on extortion attacks this morning, but these are not the large-scale ransomware extortions most seen in recent headlines. These attacks instead amount to digital blackmail. The attacker threatens to expose a compromising picture or information about an individual unless the victim pays money. Attackers often purchase victims' login credentials or find them through data breaches to prove that their threat is legitimate. Almost all of the attacks ask for less than $2,000, which seems like chicken feed by cybercriminal standards. But Barracuda analyzed over 300,000 emails that made demands at this level. Research showed that a small number of attackers were responsible for most of the emails in the study sample, with the top 10 Bitcoin addresses appearing in about 30% of the emails and the top 100 addresses appearing in about 80% of the emails. Barracuda remains optimistic about this threat, if only because the small number of criminals responsible means that each is a high-payoff target for law enforcement. Barracuda says, First, we suspect that if law enforcement is able to track down even a small number of these attackers, they can significantly disrupt this threat. Second, since extortion attackers seem to be copying each other and following very similar templates, email security vendors should be able to block a large percentage of these attacks with relatively simple detectors. To the authorities everywhere, good hunting for the creeps behind these scams. SpyCloud released its Malware Readiness and Defense Report today, which was conducted with a survey of almost 320 mid-market and enterprise IT security professionals from the U.S. and the U.K. to assess how organizations are detecting and addressing the threat of malware as a precursor to cyber attacks like account takeover and ransomware. One of the main problems discovered was the lack of regulation by the businesses for employees mixing unauthorized applications and work credentials in their personal and work devices. SpyCloud wrote in their press release, 57% of organizations allow employees to sync browser data between personal and corporate devices, enabling threat actors to siphon employee credentials and other user authentication data through infected personal devices while remaining undetected. SpyCloud also explained that organizations are struggling with shadow IT due to employees using unsanctioned applications and employees being allowed to use their personal and work devices interchangeably. Finally, yesterday, of course, was Patch Tuesday. Microsoft issued security fixes for 132 flaws, six of which were being actively exploited in the wild, bleeping computer reports. One of the disclosed vulnerabilities, CVE 2023-36884, which hasn't yet been patched, is a remote code execution flaw affecting Microsoft Office. Microsoft says this flaw has been exploited by the Russian cybercriminal group Storm0978 to conduct cyberespionage against defense and government entities in Europe and North America. Fortinet has patched a stack-based overflow vulnerability in FortaOS and FortaProxy that may allow a remote attacker to execute arbitrary code or command via 
crafted packets reaching proxy policies or firewall policies with proxy mode alongside SSL deep packet inspection. SAP has issued fixes for numerous vulnerabilities, including one affecting SAP business client that was assigned a CVSS score of 10.0. Adobe has patched 12 security flaws in Adobe InDesign, including a deserialization of untrusted data vulnerability that could lead to arbitrary code execution, and Apple has rolled back its rapid security response updates for iOS and macOS after the patch caused issues that prevented some websites from displaying properly. The company stated yesterday, Rapid Security Responses iOS 16.5.1b, iPad OS 16.5.1b, and macOS 13.4.1b will be available soon to address the issue. As always, review your systems and, as CISA would say, apply updates per vendor instructions. And admins, we wish you a happy and resolute round of patching. Coming up after the break, Tim Starks from The Washington Post looks at Microsoft's recent woes. Our guest is Ayal Benishti from Iron Scales with insights on business email compromise. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Eyal Benishti is CEO of email security platform IronScales. They recently published their first threat index report, and one of the topics covered is business email compromise. I asked Eyal Benishti for the details. So I think the interest in BC was um, 
very interesting as a matter of fact. And, you know, it's something that I, I, I tend to kind of uh, mention when speaking with, with sisters and other professionals. What we see is that for the first time, BC basically eclipsed ransomware and becoming um, even a bigger problem than, than it used to be. And what sort of uh, options are available to folks to put in place to better protect themselves from business email compromise? So to protect against business email compromise, companies need something that is more behavioral and in nature in order to understand. And again, in most cases, BC, are emails to appeals um, to come, emails to appeals to come from someone or something uh, that you already know. So it will come from a colleague, whether uh, someone you're working with or, you know, someone, some of the vendors uh, that you're working with or some type of service that is um, familiar to you. And in order to be able to protect people from impersonation um, attempts, a solution must be able to understand the user, the user behavior, um, the social graph, what this user user is, uh, what, what is considered trusted by every specific user and then look for um, anomalies and, and you know, all the known patterns, like I mentioned, like impersonation and, and specific language that that is being used in order to stop these emails. Because in most cases, there is no real indication of compromise. Like I mentioned, there will be no bad IP um, behind this mail. And in most cases, there will be no link or attachment. It will just come from someone or something that he allegedly know, asking to do something that he's not supposed to do. So be able to kind of run more advanced models at the mailbox level that are able to understand behavior and anomaly is a critical part in, in stopping BC. The other element is obviously fishing, so like awareness. Make sure that your users are aware that impersonation might happen, that emails that lands in their mailboxes, despite the fact that well, they went through some layer of defense, can still be malicious by intent and sometimes even by by content. So educating people, um, delivering awareness content, phishing simulation and training, which is a more proactive way to train users, is, is highly recommended. And basically build a culture of people that know that they are part of the solution and they're expected to, to, to report on things that seems a little bit fishy in their environment because when people are reporting on something that looks suspicious, then we have a chance and we can do something about it, especially if you know the organization is equipped with an automated solution that can streamline anything from investigating things that people find suspicious to the point that we can even go and claw it back from all the, the affected mailboxes and when you have this type of culture and you when you have this type of solutions that can help automate and remediate things that are slipping through protection layers then you can have a much much better multi-layer type of um, defense against bc and malicious emails one of the things that caught my eye in the report was how many of the the threats are what you describe as unknown. These are novel threats, things that haven't been seen before. I mean, how, how do folks defend against that? If something is new, is, is this again looking for behavioral defenses here? 
you know, we, we can detect against known threats by having a good threat intel and protection-based solution that can stop what, what is known to be bad. We can have AI and anomaly detection against the things that not necessarily known to be bad, but are bad by context. So coming with some bad intent and attempting to to impersonate something that we uh, that we know, like we mentioned, they follow a specific pattern. We call them the the known unknowns. And in order to detect the unknown unknowns, like you know, people organization really need to kind of uh, adopt a, a real time threat intelligence gathering, which in our view, can only achieved by, at the end of the day, crowdsource this whole effort of detecting detecting what is slipping to threat intelligence and AI models. And again, it's back to the user that that, that we spoke about. Like, you know, how, how do you train your users to to report these kind of emails? How do you equip security team with automated tools that help them to quickly investigate or automatically investigating and and remediating these type of emails? And then how do you take it even one um, one level up and, and and provide organization with a tool that actually allow them to collaborate with each other in, in real time and help them be aware to the fact that they are, you know, they are not the first one to, to deal with this type of email or incidents and other companies have already made a decision or passed a verdict about a similar type of email that they probably want to do um, the same. So... At the end of the day, in order to be able to detect the unknown unknowns or the, the zero days in our world, organizations really need to adopt a continuous AI approach. Like, you know, how do you build or how do you adopt an AI solution that can continuously learn about new threats um, all the time in real time? Because when we talk about machine learning and AI, they're just as good as the data uh, that we feed into them. So if, if I feed a model with yesterday's data, no matter how great the model is, its ability to predict something that it never seen before is close to zero. On the other hand, if I have online models that are constantly learning, and not just learning based on raw data and, and metadata, but they're learning from human beings, kind of interacting with them and pushing new type of intelligence in real time, then we have a more continuous type of AI approach that can constantly learn and close the, the, the feedback loop and be able to detect new trends, sometimes even uh, in seconds, and stay as close as possible to what is trending out there. There are millions, millions of new phishing emails that are being created on a daily basis. We're expecting these numbers to, to grow significantly, again, with all the chat GPT and AI, generative AI that we're seeing um, out there. So there will be a lot of unknown unknowns um, out there. And, and our only way to detect them is to be able to quickly feed our models with relevant, up-to-date data. That's Eyal Benishti, CEO of IronScales. It is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Tim Starks. He is the author of the Cybersecurity 202 at the Washington Post. Tim, great to have you back. Yes, great to be back. As we are recording here today, there are a couple of uh, developments uh, related to Microsoft that you've been covering and some of your colleagues at the Post have been covering as well. Uh, What's going on here, Tim? 
so the, I think the, the bigger uh, development, not that the other one is, is, is small, is from a story that my uh, colleagues Alan Nakashima, Joseph Mann, and Shane Harris wrote up today. That is quite the all-star lineup. Uh, those are yeah. you know, Shane Harris is one of the guys I I followed his his early reporting on cyber and was like that's that's great. I'd love to do what he does. Alan Nakashima is my favorite reporter, and Joseph Men is just one of the really great cyber reporters out there too. So they broke a story uh, about how Chinese hackers are have used this uh, vulnerability in, in Microsoft's cloud um, that has allowed them to target U.S. government email accounts. Microsoft itself says that that there are only 25 organizations that this that this has affected, uh, but it does include government agencies. The FBI is looking into it. You know, the, 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 it doesn't look like Pentagon intelligence or, or military email accounts are affected. Um, so we're still learning about this one. It's it's the latest in a line of of you know Microsoft issues where the U.S. government has been affected. You know, Solar Winds was one of the biggest ones, obviously, because right. Yeah, they, that was that was part that was part of that uh, a Microsoft vulnerability. So this is a this is another another problem with with Microsoft coming up and and being a, being a part of an espionage campaign. This is a you know apparently again from China. I saw some interesting commentary. Folks were saying that Microsoft did the sort of the equivalent of a Friday afternoon news dump on a Tuesday afternoon by try, sort of a quiet blog post about this, and they, I, I suppose they were obligated to to reveal this because the government was involved? I think so. I mean, certainly they would have been aware that some, some potential news stories were about to come out about it. So yeah. first, you know, if they if they knew we were writing about it, they would have been obligated. And, and our story came out at, I think, 1 a.m. Mm. So um, it, it's not terribly surprising that they did it when they did. Perhaps they could have done it earlier, but at a certain point they had to have done it. Yeah. And what's the story that you covered in the 202, also Microsoft-related? Yeah, so um, this was something that Microsoft had talked about earlier in the day, where there's a Russian uh, group called Romcom. I like that name a lot, by the way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, romantic comedies are a great organization to imitate. Anyway, anyway uh, <laughs> this is a campaign where Windows was again exploited. Uh, there were unpatched bug in, in, in Windows and Office products. They are working to address that flaw. And this, this campaign is going after, apparently, NATO uh, targets. So there's a, the summit in uh, Lithuania that's happening, and um, you know BlackBerry had some research on this that they came out with, and they apparently are uh, Romcom is impersonating uh, Ukrainian organization. That's obviously ongoing Russia-Ukraine cyber hostilities that are all taking center stage in in in, in the NATO summit now. But also there's this sort of side campaign of of uh, issues. That are that are coming up in cyberspace related to NATO. Yeah. To what degree is Microsoft sort of taking it on the chin for for these vulnerabilities, or, or is this something that could happen to anybody, or are they getting uh, more than their share of criticism here? It, it is certainly something that can happen to anybody, but you know there are two things that are of note here. One, you know, Microsoft is so massive; they're such a part of. Everybody's daily email—they're such a part of, of all those office products that they're going to be a ju a juicy target that anybody who's a hacker is going to want to go after. Right. But they do have you know a history of not maybe doing as good a job of taking care of these things as they as people think they ought to. 
you know, you can talk about Apple's security compared to Microsoft. That's always been a point of comparison. Apple seems to do a better job overall. But they're also just not quite as widespread. So it's, I think it's a mix of both, that they're just omnipresent in a way that nobody else is, and also yeah. that, that there are there is a track record here that, that suggests that they could be doing better than they are. Yeah, it's complicated, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not to give Microsoft a, a free pass, but I mean, it's, it's certainly interesting to analyze you know, these things. As you say, they're, they are a big, juicy target, but uh, at the same time, uh, they got a responsibility to look after these things. Yeah, they have such they have such a unique position in in the ecosystem. If you'll mm. allow me to use a, a, a sort of stupid jargony term, yeah. Um, the they they also make a lot of money off of security, um, doing security. And and I you know I wrote an article a couple of years back about how they are. I think the best quote in the story was, "Microsoft is both part of the problem and part of the solution." Right, and, and if you look at how much work they do on security and how many things they reveal about what's going on in, in cyberspace, not just about what's going on with their own company, but also what's going on in, uh, with threat actors, they've made some pretty big revelations about what's happening in the cybersecurity world and the hacking world. Where if you, you know, I think I wrote uh, the comparison I had at the time was that they have powers that are, in some ways, superior to the federal governments or, or certain federal government agencies. Anyway, they don't have the ability to you know, punish hackers, but they have research capabilities and they have access to resources that, that, that are unparalleled in certain ways. Yeah. I remember that, you know, this is years ago when, uh, when Microsoft was uh, on a bit of a tear of buying up some, you know, antivirus companies. Right. And, and there was some raised eyebrows of, you know, of, the joke was that you know they're they're part they're they're the problem and the solution. <laughs> you know, they're 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 buying companies that take care of some of the vulnerabilities that were inherent in Windows at, at the time. Right. Of course, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's I mean, a good business model, right? Have some right. vulnerabilities in your system. <laughs> buy the companies that solve the vulnerabilities. Repeat, rinse. You know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's practically an, an old chestnut, and I think perhaps at this point, not not entirely fair, but it certainly was a. A criticism at the time. Yeah, that, I mean, the scenario I mentioned—the scenario I mentioned—is obviously not what's happening, but it's, it certainly comes to mind. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Tim Starks is the author of the Cybersecurity 202 at the Washington Post. Tim, always a pleasure to have you join us. Yes, always. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. Your feedback helps us ensure we're delivering the information and insights 
that help keep you a step ahead in the rapidly changing world of cybersecurity. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by our editorial staff. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K Cyberwire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.